This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3553, for Wednesday, the 16th of March, 2022. Today's show is entitled Freedom of Speech in Open Source. And as part of the series Freedom is Not Free, it is the 10th show of some guy on the internet and is about 24 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, is it free speech if you have to leave? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. I'm your host, some guy on the Internet. Today, I want to talk to you about freedom of speech, more specifically, free speech in open source, our communities, our our, uh, blogs, our websites, our, you know, chat environments, whether it be Element, Mastodon, Discord, wherever. I think it's important for everyone in the community to have free speech so that you can express yourselves and hopefully try and either better free software or just better the community surrounding free software. Personally, I'm a fan of constructive criticism. However, I do believe we offer a bit too much in that area and not so much in the area of a tangible financial investment. In other words, you'll run this software talk mad trash about it when something isn't to your liking and then fail to donate to all the people who put in the time and effort in creating it. Now, I'm also aware that we don't have the best structure for getting money around to all the different projects that are involved. Say, for instance, a distro. You may love a distro like Linux Mint, for instance. That's the one that I love. But I don't know how to donate to every single package that is involved in the you know, universe of Linux Mint. I have no way of doing that. And by the time I figure out a way, how many links am I going to have to go through just to make sure that the money gets where where it's supposed to be? Now, I can donate to Linux Mint themselves. And then I could also look at Ubuntu, the base for Linux Mint. That is, unless you're using the LMDE, the Linux Mint Debian edition, then you look toward Debian for that base if that's the one you're using. But you get the point. Trying to donate is harder than you think when you want to support the people who provide all the software that you like. So rather you're on a forum, you're in a chat environment, you're on YouTube making you know content or hacker public radio making content. Speaking of free and open source software, what exactly can we do to better the environment? I'm thinking we want more and more people to adopt free software, but how do you get that when the environment is as it is now? A really good example of that would be, I'm just going to use everything that I encounter. I'm only speaking about my own experiences here. You go to a uh, Ubuntu forum. I kind of expect things to work a certain way there. It feels a little bit more mature there, like things are going to work out in one way or another. People will either directly help me or point me in the direction of some sort of article or, or, you know, some documentation that I can follow to get help. Same thing with Fedora. I feel like there's enough documentation floating around and people can, you know, generally have a decent conversation and help you out. But then there are other communities, mainly one the Arch community, where you're probably going to get cursed at, and people are going to be a bunch of little smart Alex about this, and they're going to, you know, have their comments that are not exactly helpful. How does this behavior make the open source environment better for 
new adopters. Let me elaborate just a little bit more on that. So you get the Steam Deck, which we know will be running Arch with KDE and new people to that environment. You know, Windows users who just want a handheld that can play games in a, you know, a bigger screen. You know all the specs of the Steam Deck. But the problem is the moment there's an issue and they've got to get help. Sure, Valve will try to help with a lot of it, but there's going to be a lot of community members there as well. It's not going to be just Valve. There are going to be a lot of people from the Arch community, and you know what's going to happen. All right, Arch has a curse word in their motto, R-T-F-M. So, you know, there's going to be all sorts of videos and things coming out when people showing off all the cool things you can do with uh, Valve's uh, Steam Deck, adding all the different peripherals, uh, excuse me, all the different peripherals to it and uh, just showing off the wonders of Linux. The problem is that community is going to demonstrate that that side we don't really want to push new users into. And I got a feeling that's who's, you know, a lot of people buying this aren't buying it because they desperately want to run Linux on a device. They just want to play some games and they're going to run into what I believe to be the grittiest part of our community. So what does all that have to do with free speech, you might ask? Well... Eventually, Valve's going to have to take action when all of this talk hits the forms, when people get out there and start saying, hey, I bought this this Steam Deck. But when I tried to get help, when I tried to talk to people about how to do that thing I saw in a YouTube video, because the guy didn't really go into detail, he just said that he did it and it was awesome. So I tried to do the exact same thing and I went on the Valve forums. No one had uh, posted any sort of tutorial documentation yet. So I started asking around what happened I got cursed at and made to feel stupid just because I was just asking questions and you know uh, this isn't nice I don't want to buy I'm, I'm upset that I bought the steam deck now because now I feel stupid just for trying to use the thing so now Valve has to step in afterward and they got to police the community. They got to start kicking people off the platform, like banning them or silencing them or whatever, because obviously you do not want that to be the face of the product. You know, we can't answer everything. We want the community to interact with each other. But the moment you start being an arch user, we got to get you out of here. We got to throw you out because that's not the way it works. And then there you go. Now you got that free speech issue. You'll have people arguing, hey, I have the right to say whatever I want to say. The only reality to it is, well, you can say whatever you want. You just can't say it here. You know, <laughs> you have freedom of speech, not freedom of audience and, and not freedom of an auditorium. So this space is not the space for you to come and call everybody stupid and and you know read the blank manual that's not the way we operate here and that's where you're going to get your problem and there's going to be this valve attack where valves limiting free speech they're not letting people say the things they need to say and you're not going to get all the details it, it's always happened that way like say for instance um well i'm not going to bring up other projects because i wasn't there when those projects had their free speech issues but i've heard a lot about the um the uh other other let's just say desktop environments you should know the one that i'm talking about and how a very vocal uh, minority of the community made a particular desktop environment go away 
So so not to pick on Valve here or anything. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but if Valve were to be faced with an issue within the community from users where they feel that just getting rid of these people is the thing to do so that everyone could, you know, interact with each other in a more respectful manner. Exactly. How do you think that's going to be broadcast? Think about it in a slow news cycle when all these Linux podcasters need some kind of content to, to get out there. What do you think's going to happen? I want to remind you guys of an issue a while back uh, called the boot hole. You guys remember that when 20 uh, crap, which one was it? Was it 2004? Yeah, yeah. I think it was Ubuntu 2004 when that got released. There was this vulnerability that happened. I want you to stop and think about uh, I believe it was Martin Wimpress was the uh, head of the Ubuntu desktop at Canonical at the time. Shout out to Martin Wimpress and the Ubuntu Mate project. Fantastic project. He was so excited about the Yaru theme and how beautiful Ubuntu was and just I mean it was a wonderful release it's beauty it still is a wonderful release and it's beautiful but think about what happened in shortly after that release I was about to say immediately but it wasn't immediately shortly after that release when everybody's got this wonderful product that they're all enjoying you got this one thing that came out during a slow news cycle because think about it Ubuntu is very stable you're not going to have a whole lot of issues with it And so therefore, you know, it's not really much to talk about. It's not that exciting in a news cycle. You know, hey, we got another stable release that just works. You know, you're not going to have that much to talk about it. But what happened? That whole boot hole thing that happened shortly afterward. Think about how much coverage that got. I'm not a very technical person, but I'm going to tell you this. It was not that big of a deal that they, they I think they put way too much press coverage in it. But imagine that again, but with Valve, right, where you got this issue that has occurred on the forums. The Valve's taking care of it. It's a slow news cycle. Not very much to talk about. Imagine all these podcasters finally able to grab onto a bit of content and just blow that way out of proportion, just like the boot hole. Do you think there's going to be enough advocates within the free software community to come forward and say, hey, look, sometimes we got to do this. Sometimes we got to tell people you can say whatever you like just outside that door. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, sure, you can have all of those. Oh, sorry. I just have the mic. Uh, you can have all of those opinions just outside. You know, if you're going to behave in that manner, you'll have to do it out there. And we don't necessarily back a valve, but we back everyone that is, res- you know, respectful and just want to engage in a positive manner. I'd also like to point you in the direction of um, Manjaro. Uh, I accidentally was calling him Manjaro <laughs> before, but it's Manjaro. They have a wonderful product. I've tested it out, but I've never ran it as a daily driver. Think about the kind of discussions you hear about Manjaro. I have people, well, I don't have them, I, you know, I don't know them, but I have read and even heard in discussions on other podcasts where people literally question, is Manjaro Arch? I mean, what, what else? Are they using the app package manager? Are they using DNF? You know, have they advertised as being a fork of Seuss or something? I'm trying to figure out what else can they be if they're not Arch? But you know why they do that? 
You know why they're, you know, questioning the validity of Manjaro. Are they truly arch? You get what I mean? So they're saying that as a way to sort of dampen the success of it. But I see me personally as some guy on the Internet. So obviously you should trust me with that kind of a name. (laughs) You know, I see Manjaro as being a very sophisticated and responsible, like a mature product, you know, sort of like I would see Fedora or Ubuntu or Debian even. You know, I'd see them as something I can actually recommend to others. Now, I'm going to admit I have not hung out in the forums there much, so I can't really tell you if they're a part of that whole RTFM crowd or whatever, you know, cursing at people because they don't know what what's happening. I don't know all of that, but I do feel like Manjaro is taking things serious and they're actually moving that platform forward without all a bunch of swearing and negative nonsense. So say, for instance, what if Manjaro were to have to take action against, you know, large groups of people. Remember uh, recently, it wasn't that long ago where they they took a browser. It's It's a proprietary browser. I can't remember which one it was. Was it Vivaldi or something? They took a proprietary uh, browser and made it the default browser on one of their releases. And you remember the coverage that got? I personally only experienced a few content creators, you know, podcasters who spoke of it in a light of saying that, hey, this is just a way to bring funding in. But on the forums, yeah, there was more of the trash talk. You know, they're not really Arch and Arch would never do this and blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. Proprietary, bad, open, good, the, the, the normal stuff you'll hear out there. And it's like, see, this is this is the kind of thing that I think we really need to take time and kind of just cut all of that down, create an environment that is more welcoming, not just to anybody who agrees with us, but also the people who, well, you know, you know, proprietary vendors, you know, come on in, you know, yeah, bring your software, let people know that it's here, it's available and they can use it however they want, no matter whether it be a snap a flat pack, an app image, Deb RPM, you name it, whatever it is, bring it on in. We're going to welcome you. We're going to treat you like a first class citizen because it's an echo chamber otherwise, right? Where everybody just agrees with everyone else, because if you don't, you're going to be cursed at and and thrown out of the, the community if you don't. Yeah, another thing I want to bring up here, um, I was listening to a podcast by uh, Joe Ressington. He does the Late Night Linux, and he he recently renamed the, uh, it was another show, Late Night Linux Extras. It got renamed to something else, but I think it was uh, After Hours or something like that. Either way, he did an interview with the guy from OMG Ubuntu, and it was something that guy kept saying that, you know, he kept saying like he has a preference, but not an opinion. In other words, he he didn't want to say anything that would draw negative attention. And I believe he actually spoke to that in the podcast. But think about what the community 
has to be like for that to be your response, right? It's almost like, like hey, I don't want to tell you what I really think because I know what's going to happen if I do. If, if I tell you that I really enjoy using a Mac and I really enjoy Apple software and iPhones and iWatches and all of that Apple ecosystem stuff. And honestly, I just like being in Linux for the technical talk, not really to run and operate it. The guy would get eliminated. Think about the people who, um, uh, what was that? It was a conference. It was some, I think it was the Linux organization or something like that, where they were seen using Macs and people were just tearing them to shreds. Like, how can you be the head of the Linux organization? And you know, the Linux foundation, whatever the hell it's called. How can you be the head of it? And you have a Mac. This is crazy. It's like, come on, man. Why do you have to attack the guy just because he uses what he wants to use? This is this is why it's so hard to even recommend new people join this because it's a beautiful, wonderful place. And most of the people here are quiet. They're just getting their work done until they have a problem. And then, you know, they'll come for help. But you got that vocal segment and that that one segment is incredibly toxic when it wants to be you know not all the time sometimes you know they make some very good arguments and we really appreciate them but damn do they have to attack so much like seriously everything that is not exactly the way they want it to be you just get smashed over the head and i don't i don't think that's a healthy way to be I think we really ought to set up some nice barriers and say, hey, I appreciate you for being here and I appreciate you for being uh, passionate about the community and the project. But seriously, if you do that again, you got to go. All right. One more example before we get out of here. But uh, I know you guys are going to remember this. There was a guy, I believe his name was uh, Marak Squires. He had that project with like the color uh, JS or whatever. It's a project that's used by millions. I mean, just tons and tons of companies use his project as a uh, a dependency or something like I'm not a developer. So please don't don't, you know, lob grenades at me because I don't get it correctly the first time. But either way, this guy has this project. He wasn't getting the money he believed he deserved for the project. Now, he created an open source project knowing that once it's open source, there's no obligation to pay you. They have the source code. They can do whatever they want with it. He did this and he I guess he I guess he just didn't know how big it was going to be. All these multi-million dollar companies using his project. Well, he was basically, you know, saying, hey, you know, all you big companies out there using this project, could you please just donate? Could you give something to me? I'm not exactly sure if he was set up properly for these companies to do this because, you know, there's all sort of tax implications whenever you make donations or whatever. Maybe he has to be set up as a company himself for them to, you know, have the proper invoices and things for tax reasons to pay him. Maybe they would rather have employed him, you know, or contracted him, you know, something that would allow them to pay him and he can continue to make the project. But then there's all the licensing and things like that. So whatever the case is, he didn't get the money he thought 
was necessary. And I'm only saying he because I don't know if this is a male or female. I think it's a guy. And I don't know how they identify, however that goes. But, yeah, the guy didn't get the money. He sabotaged his own project. It it wasn't um it wasn't malicious like deleted your your work or anything like that where you lost data, but it was something annoying that he did to his own project that got the attention. <laughs> I'm sorry, it got the attention of millions when he did this because it literally just ruined everybody's day. So obviously these companies and everybody got together and said, "Hey, dude, what are you doing?" You know, obviously you did this intentionally. What are you doing? The big companies that, uh, I guess, employ IT teams, they pretty much just went and I'm pretty sure they cloned the repo. So they were just able to use Git, roll back and, and do what they had to do. But if you're a smaller developer trying to just use this as a dependency for your own project, that probably... <laughs> Basically, that guy's name became Dirt overnight, and uh, he got he got suspended on GitHub for doing that. And I mean, if you stop and think about it, that's his freedom of speech. He's tried talking to people, I guess, on Twitter, whatever that you know. I don't use Twitter; I don't even care about it. But he tried talking to people, apparently, and tried to get them to say, hey, look, man, multi-million dollar people over there. Why don't you go ahead and throw a few dollars my way? It's not going to hurt you. And uh, apparently they did not uh, answer him in a way that he found uh, <laughs> acceptable. So the guy just, you know, threw, threw a wrench in the clockworks of his own project, ruining everybody else's day. So they banned him for doing that. Now, stop and think about that. The coverage for that story was a little bit more uh, sympathetic, right? You know, it, it got us discussing funding open source projects rather than, man, what an a-hole this guy. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, the idea of doing that is just super funny. He, it seems like the ultimate prank I don't know if you guys have ever been in gaming or or at all, but there was this very popular MMO where they had all these different clans and stuff like that. And, well, some guy took over one of the largest clans in the game and it made the headlines for a while. He took over the clan as a prank. Once he became the head of the clan, he basically sabotaged it. And that's what this felt like to me. Here's this guy getting everybody on board his project. It's a wonderful project. And then out of the blue, he goes, you know what? <laughs> I don't think you're I don't think you're appreciating me enough. I'm going to I'm going to throw a wrench in this and see what it, see what happens. And I wonder, did he expect the backlash that came his way? Sure. Some of the podcasters may have brought up all the the uh, the parts that everybody else wasn't thinking about, you know, like, hey, this guy needs to keep the lights on. He needs to put food on the table. His project is the foundation for so many other projects, you know, throw him a bone. That's what some of them were saying. But I'm pretty sure all the multi-million dollar companies and the people who have ultimate say so on rather or not this thing gets released elsewhere, including GitHub. Oh, yeah, they just didn't want to hear a word of this guy. Just throw this guy overboard, all right? Just get rid of him. So, uh, yeah, his name's Dirt now. And, uh, Mar um, 
Oh, I already said his name. I probably shouldn't say his name here, but it's public. It's everywhere. I'll leave a link down there if you guys want to read on that. But that's all I got to say for today, man. That's the end of the episode. I'm just chatting with you. What do you guys think about open source and freedom of speech, however it comes? Rather it be somebody just, you know, ruining their own project to, to, to make sure that everyone else understands them, or rather it be a project banning a bunch of people off the forums just to try and clean up the atmosphere a bit, or rather, it's just, hey, from the point of view of the people saying all the RTFMs in the comment section, what do you guys think about it? Do a show, because we need more shows. You know, let let Ken Fallon hit you with his uh, shouting gun. Do a show. Do a show. And apparently, Dave Morris isn't there to tell you to release it every other week. I think they said you can release them uh, quite regularly for this point, because uh, we kind of need more shows. So definitely do a show. I'd also like to see some comments as well, because comments are great, but uh, shows are better. And uh, I'll see you in the next one. Take care. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.